All right, so we'll say good morning. Let us let us begin. Today's daf is Mem Aleph forty one. We are picking up Emir Sashem on Daf Mem Amud Beis forty B. So we'll say the Gemara says, "Oh, sorry." Let's begin by thanking all of our sponsors to thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Kislev. To thank Josh and Becca Friedman for dedicating all the Shurman Drushos this month. Le'iloi Nishmas, Josh's father, Yisrael Yehuda, Ben Rav Chaim Rifael. To thank Sammy Malka Esterson for dedicating all the, and welcome back to Sammy Baruch Hashem from Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Haba. To thank the Estersons for dedicating the Shurman this month in memory of their parents. Yitzchok Leib Ben Arana Cohen, Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram, Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim, and in this course of the continued Gizunt and Haslacha of Mr. Morton Esterson, Admea Be'esim Shanim Tovos. To thank the Pepper family for dedicating the Shurman this month the creation of the yard site of Yosef Pepper, Yosef Tavitz Yechon Levracha Ben Yaakov. To thank our week of learning sponsors, Ayal and Sarah Steinberg, in the Schuss of Rafur Shlema for Shulamis Bas Susha, and Hilary Jacobson Kent and Akiva Kent, in memory of Hilary's father, Tzvi Hirsch Ben Chanoch. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors today, Shani Tapper and family in commemoration of the yard site of Shani's father, Josh Gutman, Yoshua Ben Yitzchak, Zichron Levracha. We hope that on the merit of our time and Torah, all of the Shambas will have an aliyah and the family Zainachama. With that, let us begin a lot to do today. Incredible, incredible Gemara. So we'll say, let's go. We, today's daf is Memala 41. We left off on the last few lines of Mem Amud Bey's 40b. Says Gemara, Amrav Ami Amrav. My Dixiv. What's the meaning of the Pasik? Viata ben Adam, Aselicha Kli Gola. So we'll say, remember again, Gemara over here. The Gemara over here is quoting the Pasik from Yechezkel. So remember, the Navi Yechezkel is warning Klav Yisrael about the impending Gavos that will occur should Klav Yisrael choose not to right their ways. So one of the ways that, that, the, that Hashbarahu shows Yechezkel is he tells Yechezkel, prepare for yourself the utensils for Gavos, right? The utensils you're going to need when you go into Gavos. So the hope was that Yechezkel would do this. The people would see what's happening and what would occur. And ultimately, they would do tshuva. So the Gemara says, so what, what are clay gola? Ze, zu, ner, ukara. This refers to a candle and a plate. Can, in other words, a lantern, like a lantern and a plate. That's what you need when you need to go into gavos. Top of memal. V'shatiach. What is a shatiach? Rashi says over here, is or is a leather mat to eat on. So a ner, a ka'ara, and the shatiach. Prepare those things, and those are the clay gola. So the Gemara says, are called. Now again, I'm say, Gemara, now quoting over here the Pasuk from the Tochacha that talks about ultimately, again, if we don't go ahead and serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when we have plenty, then we will be forced to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu when we are lacking many things. What does it mean, when you're lacking everything? What are we lacking? Or what will we be lacking in this moment of Tochacha? Amrabi Ami Amarav, below Ner below Shulchan. So it's referring to a time where we'll be, we'll be afflicted so intensely that we won't even have a ner, light, and a shulchan. Now, both sides just understand the ner, you remember what Sagas brings down, that a summa, a person who is blind, is never fully sated. Right? Why? Because part of the eating experience is seeing what it is that you're eating. So the idea of not having a ner represents the idea that I'll never fully be so satiated. Below shulchan, of course, if you don't have a shulchan, you can't eat like a mensch. So Rav Chistamar below isha, what does it mean, bechoser kol? Without a wife. Without a wife. But Rav Sheshis Amar below shamish. Rav Sheshis says without, but say shamish literally means someone like an attendant or a servant. 
it means ultimately, again, someone to help you with all of life's needs. Rav Nachman, or below das. It means below das, without, without knowledge. Now, I'll say, so just understand, just to reframe the context here. In the Tochecha, remember again, there's two sides to the coin. The Pasuken talk about a who bless us with many different things. And the idea over here is if we don't serve God in times of plenty, the Gemara says you're going to end up struggling to serve God in times of incredible difficulty and deficiency. So the Pasuk uses the lotion of choser kol, when you're lacking everything. So the Gemara is trying to understand what does everything refer to? What does everything refer to? So again, we have a number of different possibilities. One possibility is ner and shulchan. Other possibility is a spouse. Is a spouse. Maybe lacking everything, choser kol, means living life without a spouse. Maybe at the end of the day, choser kol means without das. Without das. The problem we'll say is in times of difficulty, if you don't have your wits, if you don't have your das with you, then you don't have anything. So we'll come back to that in just a little bit. So Tana below Melach below Revav. Other say it means without salt and Revav. So we'll say it's interesting. Rashi says Revav means Shuman, which means fat. The Ran says Revav means Shemen, which means oil. But the idea was it's so fascinating. The idea over here is revav, melach, salt, revav, is whether it's fat or oil. The idea is you're going to have food, but you're not going to have anything to flavor the food with. So I will say it's such an interesting idea that sometimes, you know, if you, know, if, if you have food that doesn't have the right seasoning, so what happens? Otherwise, you could become full. You, you, you could have what you need, but the, but the enjoyment of the eating experience is not there. So it's interesting that according to this approach, choser kol means you're not going to be able to enjoy the things that you have in life. Om Rabaye. Rabaye says, Naktinon, we learned, ain't ani elabadeya. I will say this is such a profound idea that what is an ani? What is a truly, when we think about an ani, we think about a person who is financially impoverished. The Gemara says it's not true. The real ani, the real ani is someone who is intellectually impoverished. But I will say, what does this mean? Someone who just doesn't have daya. Now, daya is one of those interesting words that's often difficult to translate. Because you could translate daya as knowledge, but that's not really what it means. Daya, das, means a certain sense, a certain level of life common sense. Right? That if you don't have common sense in life, you don't have daya. You don't understand how to navigate. You don't understand how to talk. You don't understand how to create relationships. You don't understand how to problem solve, right? You don't understand any of these things. Ultimately, again, you're, you're impoverished. You're impoverished. So the Marava Ami, in Eretz Yisrael, in Eretz Yisrael, they said, this is such a great line, So I say literally what it translated, it means, if this thing is in you, you have everything. This thing being daya. If a person has daya, a person has common sense, a person has chachma. So didabe, if you have this, if this is in you, kulabe, you have everything. Dilodabe, if this is not in you, you don't have daya, mabe. Then what do you have? Dikani machaser, if you've acquired this, what are you lacking? Dilokani makani. If you don't have it, then what do you have? We'll say, what a, what a great line. Here the Gemara Torah, and we'll say, we know this, right? And the older we get from this, we know, the older we get, we know that ultimately, again, if you have day off, a person has what we'll just translate now as a common sense in life, 
an understanding, just about how to navigate, how to deal with people, how to deal with, not just people, how to deal with circumstances. So if you have that, you have everything. If you don't have it, you could have all the other material trappings in the world. You have absolutely nothing. So the Gemara goes weiter. We'll say, so this is again going back now to Bikr Cholim a little bit. The Gemara says, a person is not healed from his illness until all of his sins are forgiven. So now what does this mean? This goes back, we already referenced this in yesterday's daf a little bit, the idea, when a person is ill, illness represents that a person is standing in a matzav of din, right? In a matzav of, of divine judgment. And that, that's what illness is. In other words, I'm ill, I'm ill. Whenever a person is compromised, by definition, what that means is there's some element of judgment happening about them in, or, or happening to them in, in, before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sigmar says something amazing. When a person is healed, when a person is healed from an illness, what does that represent? The Gemara suggests it almost represents a complete absolution of their sins, which is incredible. In other words, I'm sick, so there's, there's a time of judgment. I've been healed. That represents a certain level of absolution. I, both say, I, I, just, I just want to point out, whenever you see Gemaras like this, Chazal never meant for us to go ahead and take these statements and plug it into every single life situation, right? Why? Because sometimes there are principles that are true, but the way the principle is applied in different ways may vary. Most right, the paradigmatic example is there. I mentioned this the says, if you say Ashrei three times a day, you're going to Olam Haba. Going to Olam Haba. So both say, is that it? If you say Ashrei three times a day, you're going to Olam Haba. Is that it? Right? Sounds fantastic. Right? I say Ashrei six times a day for that. No. Let's say Siddur Edvah says, Ashrei three times a day in conjunction with many other good things in life, right, will lead you to Olam Haba. So there are certain statements of Chazal that are true, that are true, but are not meant, I shouldn't say that, all the statements of Chazal are true. There are certain statements that are standalone statements and certain statements that are to be understood in conjunction with other things. Shabbos say, there are some people who get sick and aren't healed and die from the illness. What does this mean? They weren't forgiven for their chatayim? So that's what I'm saying. You, you, theologically, theologically, you have to accept something as a truth. If Chazal say it, I accept it as a truth. How it actually plays out in life, I don't know. I don't know. Because Baruch Hu runs the world and there are many different things that come into play in any given life situation. But as a truth, the Gemara says, when a person is ill, they're standing judgment. When a person is healed, that means absolution from that judgment. How does absolution manifest itself? A total forgiveness of sin. Which I will say, by the way, so what does it mean? Anyone who's ever experienced illness and then been healed from illness also understands how do you feel? New lease on life. Gratitude, absolutely, but it's like a new lease on life. It's like, okay, I've been given a second chance. This could have gone sideways. This could have gone sideways in so many different ways. I'm here. I didn't have to be here. So if I'm here, that means Chalish Baruch is giving me a second chance. If I have a second chance, I better do so. That, that's the dynamic that Chazal are describing over here. You're ill, really ill. You're healed. It didn't have to go this way. Could have gone so many different directions. Now it's, it's as if I've been absolved from all of my sins. Brand new beginning. 
Brand new beginning. I better maximize it. So the Gemara says, I will say sometimes, by the way, even after being healed from illness, a person regains former vitality. Meaning literally it goes back to the days of your youth. Shina Amar, the Pasik says, I will say, so once again, does this literally mean that when a person is healed from illness, he regains all of his youthful vigor? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But once again, the metaphor that the Gemara is trying to paint, Jose, is that when a person is healed from illness, they understand how fragile life is. They understand all could have been lost, and they understand now the gift of a second chance that they have been given from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When you get a second chance from HaShem, I will say you grab that with two hands, and you make the most of it. You begin to live life with a new sense of urgency and with a new sense of energy, just like a young person. Incredible. So I'll say, what's the meaning of the Pasek? Until the says, literally again, my entire bed has been turned over with my illness. I'll say, this is an incredible Gemara. Amrav Yosef, Lomar, Demishkach Limudo. I'll say, sometimes illness could be so intense that a person could forget all of their learning. All of their learning. So I will say, so again, that's the, that's the lushion of turning over your bed. Right? The bed right side up represents a certain order of Seder in life. The overturning of the bed represents a forgetfulness of one's learning. So I will say, I just want to point out over something very interesting, which is, the Yimari, we're not talking over like an illness like dementia or Alzheimer's, where a person, you want to just talk about just physical suffering. Sometimes physical suffering can be so incredibly intense that it just saps a person of everything, even their learning. A person could forget everything. The Gemara tells a story about this. I will say the Gemara, let's say it just tells you, by the way, also how, like, sometimes when a person is, physical, is suffering physically, all of, their, all of their energy and all of their reserves are simply channeled into survival. That a person often has no bandwidth for any level of spirituality. And it's, we think when people become sick, they become more spiritual. Sometimes that happens, but more often than not what happens is when a person is struggling physically, every little bit of energy I have has to just go to survival. There's nothing left. There's nothing left in the tank, you know, for anything else. So sometimes it can be so intense you even forget all of your learning. The Gemara tells a story. So the Gemara says, Rav Yosef Chalash, Rav Yosef became ill. He forgot his learning. He literally, Rav Yosef forgot his learning. Ahadje Abaye Kameh, Abaye, his student, retaught the Rebbe every single thing that the Rebbe had previously taught the student. That's why sometimes you'll see in the Gemara the following exchange. The Gemara will say something. Rav Yosef will say, wow, I never heard that before. And Abayi will say, Rebbe, no, 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 you taught this to us. And it was in this context you taught us. We'll say, absolutely incredible, right? The great Rav Yosef, forgot his learning. His Talmud Abaye reteaches him everything that the Rabbi had formerly taught the student. Right? Ultimately, again, and you see this exchange in the Gemara. So dramatic. Ki avagamir Rabbi, tlas asre ape hilchasah. So it was another incredible Gemara. Rabbi had learned, I will say, so here's what's interesting. Rabbi had learned 13 orders of the Mishnah. And I will say, we have six orders of the Mishnah. Right? So this was before the Mishnah as we have it today was codified. So there were 13 different, we'll call the 13 different 
buckets of knowledge, right? 13 different orders, we'll call it. So Rebbe had learned all 13 orders. Agmarei l'Rabbi Chia Shivan Menhon. He had taught, Rebbe had taught his students, Rabbi Chia, seven of them. Get ready for this. Lusof Chalash Rebbe. So I will say, ultimately again, so Rebbe became ill, and Rebbe forgot all of his learning. I will say, Rebbe, Rebbe Hudanasi, became ill, forgot all of his learning, all 13 orders of the Mishnah. Right? So remember again, Rabbi Chia, read Rabbi Chia the Talmud, retaught Rebbe, his Rebbe, the seven orders, right? The seven, the seven orders that Rebbe had taught Rabbi Chia. What was the problem? So the Gemara says, however, so Shisa Azdu. I will say, there were six orders of the Mishnah that were lost. Because remember again, Rebbe had learned 13, taught seven of them to Rabbi Chia. The other six simply were lost. No one knew them. I will say, listen to this. So Havalhu Katsra, so I will say, there was a guy, Katsra will say, is a, is a launderer, not of money, of clothing. Right? In other words, I will say, so this is just right, so this is the guy, the laundry guy, the laundry guy. So I will say, so get ready for this Gemara. Havashmiyale, first white line, Kedel Havagarislehu. I will say, get ready for this. Rebbe used to learn out loud. He used to learn out loud. Emma Pasha, well, you know how when you learn out loud, you often learn in a sing song, right? So what would happen? He, this, this launderer, I guess he lived next door to Rebbe, or was next door to Rebbe's base medrash. He was doing his work. Every day, he would just hear Rebbe learning out loud. So I will say, so what happened? So I will say, so because of this, listen to this, because of this, the launderer, the launderer, had absorbed all of this knowledge. Now, the launderer had absolutely no idea what Rebbe was talking about. But I will say, it's no, it's no different. You hear someone saying something over and over and over, even if it's in a language you don't understand. So the launderer, I will say, listen to this, the launderer had remembered by heart all of the remaining six orders of the Mishnah. All the remaining six orders of the Mishnah. Shabbos says into this, Azur Rabbi Chia v'gamayasun kamei katsra. So Rabbi Chia, Rabbi Chia, went and learned the remaining six orders of the Mishnah from the launderer. Now again, the launderer had absolutely no idea what he was saying, but he heard it enough to be able to go ahead and convey it. kamei And then Rabbi Chia went and retaught the remaining six orders to Rebbe. Kad havachazi le Rebbe lahu katsra. Was a second wide line. Whenever, whenever Rebbe would run into this launderer, Amar le Rebbe. Right? So was listen to this. Rebbe would call the launderer Rebbe. Right? How beautiful. He would call the launderer my Rebbe. Atto asis osi ve'eschia. And he would say the launderer, launderer, you made me and you made Chia my student. Igadami, our alternate version of this, Hachi Kamalei is what he said to him, Atta Asi says Chia, the Chia Asa Osi. And the alternate version of this, I will say what happened, so ultimately again, he would say to the Lander, you made Chia, and Chia made me. I will say what an incredible, what an incredible, incredible story. But I will say, but it teaches us an incredibly important, <coughs> important lesson. I will say, in your home, when you learn, learn out loud. Learn out loud. Because I will say, the power of Torah is that Torah permeates everyone and everything around you. And I will say, if you go ahead and you learn out loud, right, your sing-song of Torah permeates your home. If you have young children, if you have young children, ultimately, again, they will pick it up. They'll pick up the terms. They'll pick up the words. 
they'll pick up the nigun, and that permeates, even though they have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. It doesn't make a difference. It becomes part and parcel of who they are. And even if you don't have young children at home, right? The person has a spouse at home, or a person has older children at home. When that sing song of Torah becomes part of your home, it literally changes everyone around you. An awesome story. Sigmar goes weiter. Greater is the miracle that happens to a sick person who is healed more than the miracle that happened to Hanani Mishlam Azariah. I remember Hanani Mishlam Azariah are the contemporaries of Daniel. And remember, again, they were thrown into the fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babel, and were miraculously <laughs> saved. So what the Gemara essentially says is, it's a greater miracle for someone who is ill to be healed than it was for Hanani Mishal and Azari to be saved from the fiery furnace. What's the pshat? Hanani Mishal and Azari eish shalhediot ve'akol yicholim lechvosa. So we'll say, Hanani Mishal and Azari were thrown into a, a, an earthly fire. But we'll say, an earthly fire, anyone can put out. Anyone can put out. V'zu shalchola shal shamayimi. And we'll say, the fire of illness is a divine fire. And if the Shparuch puts that fire into man, the only thing that could extinguish the fire of illness is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, I will say, it's just such an interesting idea because, you know, I will say, all, all of us get sick, right? I'm saying sometimes, seriously, sometimes, but the process of refuah, the idea that I was ill and now I'm healed, that is direct divine intervention. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu could go ahead and heal the fire or extinguish the fire of illness. It's true, of course, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives a doctor, gives modern medicine science the knowledge to help be the shaliach. But the shaliach is only as powerful as the mishaliach, as, as the principle. So the fire of illness is never extinguished without divine intervention. Incredible. Crazy Gemara, listen to this. This is an interesting phrase. If you take a look, well, let's just say this outside. Actually, t- take a look. Nah, listen to this. Once a person's time, literally translated, once a person's time comes. In other words, once it's time for me to leave this world, Everything has control over me. If you look, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, it's about eight lines up from the bottom. I'll call Moshlin Bo. Rashi says, La miso afilu zvuv, afilu yitush. See, what we are saying is like this. When I'm alive, when I'm alive, there's a certain power I have over creation. And this goes back to Adam Arishon, right? Ultimately, again, Adam who put Adam in charge of the world, in charge of the world. So therefore, by definition, there's like a natural fear that animals have of man. When it's time for a person to leave this world, right, everything has control over him, right? The Gemara says, even a fly, even a gnat has the ability to bring about the death of a person because since it's time for me to leave this world, by definition, I no longer have any shlita. I no longer have control over the world. The Gemara tells a story. So the Gemara says, where do we know this from? This is by Cain. Cain says, anyone who finds me will kill me. The idea is over here that after HaKadosh Baruch Hu condemned Cain, Cain essentially said, everything is going to have, it's such a musr. When we're alive, when we're alive, there is a certain control we have over the earth. When it's no longer my time to live in this world, everything, everything 
has control over me to bring about my end. Rav Aramina Denkra, Rav said from the following Pasik, well, so the way the Gemara translates this passage is like this. When the day of my judgment comes, i.e., it's time for me to leave this world, everything in this world is the servant of Hashem to bring about my end. The Gemara tells a story. Note, I skipped. Rabbi Barshila Amrulai, so listen to this. So Rabbi Barshila told him the following story. Shriv Gavra Gavoa. There was a very tall guy, listen to this, who was riding, Havarachiv Girduna Zutra, who was riding on a very small donkey. And I will say, now what's the pshat if you're very tall riding on a small donkey? What's the good news? Your feet always touch the ground. Okay, fine. Mata Titura, Istuyot Shadje Vikashachiv. So we'll say, what happens? They were on a bridge, the donkey suddenly jerked and threw the guy over the bridge and he died. So I say, what's the pshat in the story? What's the pshat in the story? Hey, the pshat in the story is, well, so you say to yourself, is there any way that a short donkey could kill a tall guy? And the answer is no, because the tall guy could always watch outside, put his feet down. But the idea over here is that a story happened, the donkey jerked in such a way, tall guy wasn't prepared, threw him over the bridge. So I say, what do you see from here? So he said this story to Rabbi Shila. Rabbi Shila said, of course, first he said, but then after that, after that, he said, wow, it's incredible. When it's time for a person to go, I will say, when your time is up, when your time is up in this world, the truth is, everything has control over you. Or better stated, you no longer have control over anything. And because of that, again, even the control you think you normally have during the course of life, you no longer have once your time in this world is up. Such a profound Gemara. Amr Shmuel. I'm sorry, one more story. Shmuel. Chazilahu. Chazilahu. Dakbara. Yasiva. Al Akrukasa. Vaavra. Nara. Tarka. Gavru. Mayas. This is incredible. Shmuel once saw a scorpion catch a ride on the back of a frog against a body of water. When the scorpion got to the other side, it bit someone and it killed him. And it killed him. So I will say, what did Shmuel say? So, obviously, it's not a case where Shmuel saw this happening and just like sat there and watched the guy get stung by the scorpion. The idea, Shmuel didn't know it was unfolding, but he saw this unfold right in front of him. I will say, so what did he see? I don't know. According to, according to the Ran, scorpions and frogs are not natural allies. Right? But the idea over here is that when it's time for a person to leave this world, Everything has control over him. Incredible. I will say, but that's the, that's the most humbling thing. We live life with an illusion of control, thinking that we control circumstances. And the truth is, because Prabhupada allows us to live with that illusion for a little while, but once my time here is over, there is no control over anything, which is why the demise of man could be brought about even from the most unlikely of, of realities, because I control nothing when my time here in this world is finished. Amr Shmuel, we'll say back to Bikul Cholim. In Mevakrinas Achola, El Mishachatzasochama. We'll say, you're only allowed to visit the sick for someone who has a fever. Now, we'll say, now what does that mean? The Gemara, what the Gemara understands, what we're doing over here is we're trying to say, there are certain people you should not visit. Certain people you should not visit. Lafuke Mai, Lafuke Hadisayan, Rabbi Yossi Ben Parta, Amr Shmuel, Rabbi Eliezer. Moshe Rilezer says, you shouldn't go ahead and visit someone 
who's suffering from stomach issues, right? Stomach issues or from eye issues, eye issues or from intense headaches. So my time, so what's the reason for this? So, so I'm sorry. I understand why I shouldn't visit someone with stomach issues. Why not? That's an embarrassment issue, right? A person who has stomach issues may have to constantly run to the bathroom or take care of other bodily needs. So they don't want visitors. They don't want visitors. It's not, it's not an appropriate time. For, it's, not, it's not appropriate to visit them because it'll just make them feel worse. But what's wrong with visiting someone who's having eye, eye issues or headache issues? This is incredible. So listen to this. Because sometimes a person who's suffering from headaches or from, or from eye pain, so conversation is difficult. Conversation is difficult. And if you come to visit that person, they may feel what? Compelled to strike up conversation. <laughs> Meanwhile, conversation exacerbates their issue. And therefore, again, it's interesting, so the Gemara says, so, so conversation is difficult for eye issues and of course for headache issues, but actually conversation is good to take down fever. Interesting. So, we'll say, so again, this all is part, it's the general construct that we've seen by Bigger Cholim. We've seen already, Bigger Cholim serves so many different needs. Number one, right, when you go and visit, you take away some level of the pain, right? Number two, you provide a sense of companionship. Number three, you have the ability to go ahead and see what can be done for the person to literally help out. But the idea about saying Bigger Cholim is a person has to be sensitive. Is my visit helping? Or is my visit harming? And I will say sometimes again, it's so interesting that we don't, in other words, often, I will say we become focused on the mitzvah and we forget about the person, right? So we think, okay, I've got to be kacholim. Yeah, you have to be kacholim. But it's only a mitzvah if it actually helps the person, right? Again, if it's, if it's actually detrimental, not only is it not a mitzvah, but chas you're making a person actually feel worse. The Imam goes, right, Amarava, Hayashi, so listen to this, fever, Ilav de parvanka de malacha de mosa. I will say, listen to this. Fever is pretty intense. If fever wasn't the agent of the malacha moves, mali fever would actually be good. How amidays kechizra ledikli chadlit lasinyomi. So listen to this. So a palm tree has some prickly thorns around the tree. What's the point of the prickly thorns? They protect the dates. So just like a palm tree, just like the prickly thorns, right? Or the prickly protrusions, ultimately are beneficial. Rashi says over here, just like again, the thorns are good on the thorn tree, are on, the, on the palm tree, are good to protect the thorns. So fever, once every 30 days is helpful as well, because I guess fever helps purge the body of different things. The problem is, Fever often is the precursor for the Malach HaMobah, so that way fever is not good. But again, the Gemara just points out, work not the fact that fever is often the messenger of the Malach is the angel of death, fever could actually have a, a certain level of benefit for the individual as well. Vichi Tairiki Lagufa, it's like literally a medicine for the body. Medicine for the body, it helps to purge certain, certain, certain detrimental things, from the body. Rabbanachman says it's okay, I'm happy to do it without the fever, without its medicinal benefits, better not to have any of it. Our son, Yafel Chol Rufuaso. Shabbos Nath, the Gemara mentioned 
that fever could be beneficial ultimately again for a person, right? For a person, we're going to talk about other things that could be that could be beneficial ultimately for a person who is ill. Our son is very healthy, so the Gemara says, "My our son, in other words, our son is healthy for a person who is ill." My our son, what's our son? Say Mem Aleph Amud Beis, five lines down. What's our son? Am Rabbi Yonah's son, Chushla Desari Atikta Dereish Nafa. So we'll say, take a quick look at Rashi. The Rashi, Ran translates a little bit differently, but I say we'll go, we'll go with Rashi. Chushla Desari Rashi says, Soorim Yishin and Kalufim. This means aged barley that's peeled. Peeled aged barley, Dereish Nafa Rashi says, that's been ground up, put into the sifter, and is still sticking to the sifter. So, so, so peeled, aged barley that still stick, sticks to the sifter. It's very healthy. It's very good if you're ill. Okay? So the Gemara says, It's good. It's, it's healthy as long as what? You cook it very thoroughly, as thoroughly as ox meat. Ox meat is very tough. And if you want to make it soft, you have to cook it for a long time. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, No, no, you know what's healthy? Fine flour that's made from aged barley that gets stuck in a sifter. That's very healthy if you are if you are ill. Um, Rabbi Yehabai says again, Just make sure you cook it very well, like like meat, like ox meat. Okay. Um, Rabbi Yochanan, boredom ain't mevakrin. I will say if a person is suffering from boredom, you do not go ahead and you do not go ahead and uh, visit such a person. Not only that. You don't even say the name of the diseased. Now we'll say, now, now, what's, now what's the pshat? So, Amr what is this? Ultimately, again, a person like this is like a flowing spring. Now we'll say, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Burdam, it's the last white line on the top. Rashi says, Burdam, so we'll say this is like a bloody diarrhea. So, I, so we'll say so therefore the Gemara says, don't visit that person. And I will say so again. Once again, I will say again. So you'll say to yourself, no problem, not going there anyway, right? So I'll say so. So just just want to point out. Just want to point out again. I will say it's such an incredible idea because sometimes so sometimes we lose the trees from the forest again. The performance of mitzvos. And often, especially in Adam Lechavero, sometimes, again, we forget the Chavero part in the mitzvah, recognizing that it's true, there's a mitzvah bigger cholim. But as we've seen, now we've gone through the surya, the mitzvah bigger cholim is to benefit the person who is ill. And if your visit is going to be detrimental, don't go. Don't go. You could call. You could definitely call. You could send an email. You could send a text. But don't go. Don't, I will say so many, and this is true in so many different ways. Sometimes, we try to do something good, we try to help, we try to help, but we don't necessarily try to help with the right kind of sensitivities, and sometimes the help becomes, j- just makes things 10 times worse. So the Gemara says, don't visit the guy with boredom, and we don't even mention it. Now, both say, if you look at Tosis, Tosis is in the right hand, bottom, bottom margin. Tosis says, Ve'in maskir shma, why not? L'fishem is ba'yish maskir. Now, this is actually very interesting. Yomar says, sometimes you even have to be careful about mentioning certain types of illness that, that people are sick with a certain type of illness. Why? Because even just a mention of the illness could be embarrassing for the individual. So if you say, ah, you know, you know, Shimon's got boredom, Shimon's got boredom, people are like, oh, 
right? Right? And like, and like, and like it doesn't like. And I would say, and again, the problem is, it's embar- it's embarrassing for Shimon. It's embarrassing for Shimon. So I would say, so it's, it's also, I say, rather, you know what this is like? Do you remember in the beginning of the pandemic, like in the yeah. beginning of the pandemic, like if someone got COVID, you're like ah. Oh, not a mamzer, right? You know, right, you weren't careful. You were this. How dare you, right? It was like it was like the highest level of indictment, right? You shirked every level of social responsibility, right? If you got, it was not like embarrassing. No, it's not COVID. It's just uh, it's just it's the flu, right? It's not, right? And I say, and again, like people literally wouldn't talk. It's just such an. So the idea that Gemara says there are certain illnesses that by definition are embarrassing for the individual. So the Gemara says, don't even say, so don't visit such a person, and don't even talk about the fact, you can say that they're sick, but don't even talk about the nature of the sickness. So the Gemara, back to the Gemara, why is it called Bordam? So I'll say it's actually a contraction, he's like a flowing spring. I will say it's actually Bor, which means like a cistern, Dam, of blood. See, he's like a flowing cistern of this, of this bloody shulshul. So the Gemara says, that's called Bordam. Good, fine. So I'll say the Gemara goes right there. Back to Nadarim for a little bit. Back to Nadarim. Quite a transition from boredom back to Nadara. But the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, So remember again, going back to our same case. Ruvain made a nether, Ruvain made a nether that he cannot confer any benefit upon Shimon, or Shimon can't derive any benefit from it. It doesn't matter, it's the same case. So I say, so now what happens? What happens? Shimon becomes ill. So now the Gemara, the Mishnah said that Ruvain could go ahead and heal Shimon, Rufuas had nefesh but not Rufua Saguf. So what does that mean? Right? Literally, again, spiritual healing, but not physical healing. What does that mean? So the Gemara says, katani. What's the case? Maybe Rufua Nefesh means for free. You could, that Reuven could heal Shimon for free because he's not providing him at all. But ultimately, again, he cannot provide him Rufua and Mamun, which means for pay. In other words, that if Ruben normally does this for free, he can do it. But if he does it for pay, he can't do it because then he's giving Shimon a monetary benefit. And if that's the case, less nihachi mirapeo bechinavalo b'schar. Then literally let the Mishnah write. He could heal him for free, but not provide a service for which he would normally charge. Ella, listen to this, refuas nefesh gufo refuas mamon behemto. Rather, what it means is like this. It means that Ruben is allowed to heal Shimon. Right? Because remember again, Ruben has a mitzvah to go ahead and help a fellow Jew. So that's not covered under the nether. Or like we saw before on both sides, that even when Ruben made the nether, or Shimon made the nether, he didn't mean to limit things that would directly benefit him. What can't Ruben do for Shimon? Ruben can't heal Shimon's behemoth, his animal, because that's conferring a service. Even though Ruben can't heal Shimon's behemoth, what can he do? He could give him medical advice. Give medical advice, use or veterinary advice, right? You could use this medicine, and that's not called conference of Hana. Beautiful. I will say Mishnah. Here we go. Interesting Mishnah. So it's very interesting. So same case, same case. Let's say Ruvain made a neder that Shimon cannot get any benefit from me. So we'll say, so imagine the following situation. Shimon, Shimon is going ahead and bathing in a large pool, right, in a large pool. Ruvain can get in there as well. But Ruvain can't get into the same pool if it's a small pool. We'll say that, what's the pshat? This is actually incredible. So the, so the, the run points out there, we'll say, what happens? 
when you have one person in a pool, right? A pool, like a bathtub, you can imagine, like a, like a large, like a tub. So what happens? The water level is a certain level. When a second person of say gets in, what happens? The water level rises. Now the water level rising is a benefit. Why is it a benefit? Because now again, there's more hana for me, because now I'm a bit more submerged in the water. So if Ruvay made it, and that, if Ruvay made it, that Shimon can't benefit from him. So if Shimon's bathing in a large pool, Ruvay can get in also. If it's a small pool, if it's a small pool, Ruvay can't get in. Why? Why? Because his act of entry into the pool causes the water level to rise, which is what? A hana for Shimon. We'll say furthermore, the Yashin I'm sorry, the Yashin Ibo Vamita. And we'll say if Shimon is sleeping in a bed, right? Ruven could sleep in the same bed along with Shimon. Rabbi Huda Omer, one second. That's true during the summertime. But not during the rainy season. Because I will say if Shimon is sleeping in the bed and now Ruven comes to sleep in the same bed, the body heat ultimately benefits Shimon during the winter months. See, during the summer, it doesn't matter. During the summer, we don't want body heat. Right? But ultimately, again, if Ruben's sleeping in the bed and Shimon comes to sleep in the same bed, sorry, Shimon's sleeping in the bed, Ruben comes to sleep in the same bed, the body heat ultimately benefits Shimon. But again, if Shimon is sitting on the bed, Ruben could sit on the same bed with him. So Ruben could eat at the same table that Shimon is eating at as well. They will say, what can't they eat from? This is very interesting. They will say, Tamchui, Tamchui is like a platter. So we'll say often what was, Tamchui is actually used in a couple of different, in a couple of different ways. But we'll say, if you can imagine for just a moment, Rashi says, sorry, the Ran says over here, right about six times up before it gets wide, Avalomina Tamchui, the Ran says, in Nosen name Ka'ara Biyachad. So we'll say, if you can imagine, let's say they put a big, a big platter in the middle and everyone's eating from the same platter. So I will say, if Ruven made a neder, that Shimon cannot get benefit from him. Reuven and Shimon can't eat from the same platter. Why? Why? Because I will say, listen to this. If Reuven eats less, then what? Then what? Shimon gets more. So it turns out that Reuven is providing Hana ultimately again for Shimon. However, aval ochel hu min So I will say, this is very interesting. But what can they share? They could share, I will say, a platter that goes back to the Balabas. I will say, listen to this. There were different types of platters. Sometimes you put out the platter and there was enough for the guests. Sometimes what ended up happening is it was customary that after the meal, the platter, the remnants of the platter would be given back to the balabais, to the, to the, to the, to the balabas. And we'll say in that kind of case where the platter goes back to the balabas, there was often, make sure there was always more than enough food for both parties. When there's more than enough food for both parties, then whether Ruben eats a lot or eats a little, he's not benefiting Shimon because there's more than enough food for both of them anyway. That's called a tamchui hachoser. So if it's a tamchui that doesn't go back to the balabas at the end of the meal, Ruben and Shimon can't share because there's a concern that Ruben may end up benefiting Shimon. If it's a tamchui, a platter that goes back to the balabas, ultimately they can share because that means there's more than enough for both of them. Therefore, whether Ruben eats a lot, eats a little, doesn't impact Shimon. And we'll stop over here for today. We'll continue with the Gemara tomorrow. Shkoyach.